Hallelujah. Praise be to God for his majesty and glory. Let's pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sunday school can go now. Follow the in. Reading from the New Testament, from uh, the letter of Peter, First Peter, and also from Hebrews. Just these lines. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then these words from Hebrews chapter 13. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Amen. We're to express our love for one another in many ways, but probably the, the simplest way to do so is to extend hospitality to one another. We are to welcome the stranger in our midst, and we are to welcome one another in Christ's name. In biblical times, hospitality was always a sacred obligation. There was nothing more important than to be a gracious host. Visitors and strangers would be treated like royalty. And still today, if you go to the Middle East, uh, that is exceedingly important, that you be a gracious host. So if you were to visit somebody, they would immediately bring you in, and you'd have tea, uh, and uh, they would prepare a meal for you, and then give you a gift. It's written into the basic code of human relations. In ancient cultures, hospitality was valued because it made travel possible. People could not travel any distance without relying upon the kindness and the courtesy of others. In fact, without hospitality, it seems unlikely that the early church could have expanded as rapidly as it did. Traveling missionaries who spread the good news of the gospel had to stay somewhere. And since there were no Motel 6s or Best Westerns or Embassy Suites, the only place where they could find lodging was in the homes of their fellow Christians. Now, there were a few inns along well-traveled roads, but these invariably were incredibly filthy and dens of immorality. So many, a, a nameless person in the early church made Christian missionary work possible by offering uh, hospitality, by, by opening up their homes to these traveling missionaries and preachers. But there's a much deeper basis for hospitality than simply making travel possible. And so we read from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good? To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it, Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations, as it is today. 
Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. For you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. God says to his people, look, you are to be hospitable to the outsider and to the stranger because I've been hospitable to you. You were at one time wandering around the wilderness. You were poor. You had no provisions. You were weary wanderers. And you would have died out there. Except I fed you. And I clothed you. And I guided you. And I carried you in my arms. And I took you home. This is how I treated you, my people. Now go and treat others the same way. The basic reason for showing hospitality is because we have a God who constantly displays it. And God actually broadens the scope of our hospitality as well because it's not just about taking care of foreigners strangers, but it also has to do with taking care of widows and orphans and the poor. It involves not only opening up our homes, but also investing our time and resources and seeing to the needs of people. Hospitality is basic to our life together as a church. The quality of our love for one another will show in the way that we treat strangers and visitors in our midst. So let's think for a moment about how we here at MPC treat visitors and newer members of our fellowship. Do they indeed receive a warm and friendly welcome here? Are we a hospitable church? Many visitors tell me so, but we could always do better. The words of Hebrews serve always to remind us. I've always loved this verse. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. The phrase, entertain strangers, is a translation of the single Greek word, philoxenia. Philoxenia. The word xenos means stranger or foreigner. We get our word xenophobia out of this, from this. You know that word, xenophobia? The fear of the other, the fear of people who are different than us, the fear of other races, the fear of other cultures, of outsiders. You know the word Philadelphia, which means love of people like us, our brothers and sisters, Philadelphia. But this is the word Philozenia, X-E-N-I-A, Xenia, the foreigner, stranger, love of a stranger. Love of the outsider. Philozenia means to love people who are different than you. But the word also had a very specific meaning, which was to bring them into your own home as guests. For by so doing, some people have entertained 
angels unawares, as another version puts it. I've always liked that phrase. The writer of Hebrews may have been thinking of the story of Abraham as told in Genesis chapter 18. He was visited one day by three visitors. They came to his tent, and Abraham, according to the cultural code, immediately greeted them warmly. He brought water for them to wash their feet, and he, he told Sarah to go and to bake some bread, and, and then he called for a servant to bring a choice animal to be slaughtered for the feast, and they sat down, and they had a fine time. Abraham treated those three visitors as honored guests. Turns out, Abraham was being visited by the Lord himself. The story of a pastor who had just arrived in a Coptic monastery, day's journey from Cairo, Egypt. And the pastor was astonished by the welcome that he received at this monastery. I mean, the monks treated him as though he had been the only visitor that had visited them since the 12th century when the monastery was established. They served a fine meal, and they showed him a comfortable room, and they gave him a bouquet of flowers. Uh, he was then greeted by the abbot of the monastery in a very fine way, Father Jeremiah. And the pastor was just overcome with his welcome. He just couldn't believe it. And the pastor said, wow, you sure know how to treat visitors. And Fa Father Jeremiah replied, we always treat guests as if they were angels just to be safe. <laughs> So what if we were to treat everybody who walks through these doors, everybody who becomes or who comes to us, every guest, what if we treated them as though they were angels? Not that we should necessarily make a scene over them. I think Jim was talking about this last week in an excellent sermon, by the way. Touched me. But, you know, visitors don't like to have a big deal made over them. Don't want to smother them with kindness. Don't want to single them out. Don't make them want to make them stand up necessarily, right? But everybody likes to at least be noticed and warmly received. And so just a reminder, it has to be a constant reminder. Keep on working, says the scripture. Don't neglect to keep on working on hospitality. Look out for new faces and make an effort to get to know people whom you do not know. So that if we see somebody standing alone at the coffee hour, we'll introduce ourselves to them. And you never know that you might just be blessed by a brand new acquaintance or a, a new friend. Every person has within them a world of experience. And when you open yourself to somebody else, and you allow them to share who they are and their gifts, your own world expands. You become richer because of it, because of the people that you meet. Everybody is a world within themselves. When we meet them, our world expands. So there's kind of a sacramental quality about meeting people here. God does something with it. God blesses us through the people around us. So we need to be open to new folks. It begins with a simple act of hospitality, a warm smile, a friendly greeting, a firm handshake. So what does hospitality mean? Well, I like how Tim Keller defines it. He says, hospitality is an attitude of heart and practice. 
It's an attitude of heart that seeks to turn strangers into guests, friends, and eventually brothers and sisters. It's an attitude of heart that goes after new people and makes them feel welcome just by your facial expression and just by your spirit. Keller says it especially goes after and welcomes people whom the world excludes, people who are different, people who are unlovely, people who are unwealthy, people who are unconnected. When you, peop- when you make people feel that welcome, when you make people like that feel included, you have God's spirit of hospitality. And so we are to show hospitality to the stranger, to the new person, to the new people who come into our fellowship. Uh, But those of us who have been in this faith community for some time need to be hospitable to one another. For for we are strangers to one another. Even though we may have been attending this church for years, there's a a way in which we we really are strangers to one another. We kind of live at this very superficial level. Our friendships, our relationships are not as strong as they should be, as you would expect since we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So perhaps the best thing we could do to extend hospitality to one another and to deepen our relationships is to, and this is my favorite thing, to eat together more. I like to eat. Shared meals are more important than you think. Important things happen over dinner. I bet there's more business carried out in the business world over lunches and dinners than at any other time. There's something about eating together that brings people together, brings them, draws them closer to one another. Max Licato, the popular Christian writer, uh, says, something holy happens around a dinner table that will never happen in a sanctuary. In a church auditorium, you see the backs of heads. (laughs) They're still there. That's good. Around the table, you see the expressions of faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock. Around the table, there's time to talk. Hospitality opens the door to uncommon community. It's no accident that hospitality and hospital come from the same Latin word, for they both lead to the same result, healing. When you open your door to someone, you are sending this message, you matter to me and to God. You may think you are saying, come over for a visit, but what your guest hears is, I'm worth the effort. Wow. Wow. Having people over is a great way to show love. Few of us need to be told that a meal is a sign of hospitality and friendship. Any child knows that if you share your candy bar with a new kid on the block, you'll have an instant friend. In your family, when your daughter has been dating a young man and announces that she would like to bring that young man to the dinner table, to the family dinner, you understand that that relationship is going to a little bit higher level, a little bit more serious. She's inviting the stranger right into the family's inner sanctuary to the family dinner table. And you are correct in assuming that something important may be about to happen. So for one place, 
for us to begin growing friendships, to deepen our love for one another, is around one another's tables. And this has been a topic of discussion uh, at the staff level and in session. And um, what we hope to do after the first of the year is to kind of organize some table fellowship, kind of a dinners for eight kind of thing, where, uh, you know, we would have some hosts who would open up their house and uh, share a meal and conversation with seven, six or five or six other people. And uh, you would have an opportunity to, to fellowship together maybe one time a month for three months. And then we might switch so that you get to know more people. And uh, we were doing that for a while, and that kind of fell off. But I think we underestimate <laughs> the importance, as I say, of gathering at one another's tables. Now, to be sure, there are some people who just have a thing for hospitality. They have a gift. I mean, it's a true, authentic gift. And I will never forget uh, a person in the first church that I served in Kalispell, Montana, a, a woman by the name of Mabel, an elderly woman. But she had this gift of, of hospitality. And so uh, whenever a new person came to the church, she would find out who came, and then she would invite them to Sunday dinner, and she would provide a feast to end all feasts. I mean, the table was literally groaning with food. And Valin and I would go, and we just loved it. Uh, and then it was, it was kind of amazing because we barely, with all the people around the table, we barely made a dent in the food. And so Mabel would regularly send all the food to the neighbors. And so all the neighbors just loved it because they could count on having a nice meal the next several days. She fed the neighborhood for a week. Well, that's Mabel. I mean, she had the gift of hospitality. There's somebody here in this fellowship who has that gift, and I don't want to embarrass her, but those of us who are regulars know exactly who we're talking about, right? I mean, what would we do without Mim in our, in our church? I don't even know if Mim is here. Is Mim here? Where are you, Mim? Mim, we love you. We love you. And, uh, you know, the, the T's... Uh, all for the cause of mission and the way that she takes care of the, the hilltoppers. Uh, she goes to Costco. You see her there sometimes, many times. And uh, so, Mim, you are exercising the gift of hospitality. It's beautiful to see the way that you have been, uh, the way that you express your love through that. Now, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I had to, I had to say something. Just, I couldn't talk about Mabel without talking about Mim. So... <laughs> But even if it is not our special gift, right, offering hospitality is something we can all do. Do you have a front door? Do you have a table and chairs? Do you have bread and some sandwich meat? Congratulations, you are now qualified to practice the ancient virtue of hospitality. So let us offer hospitality without grumbling. Indeed, we ought to find it a joy and a blessing. Even now, our Lord is extending his hospitality to you and to me. He has prepared this great meal for us. Yeah, on the outside, it looks like just a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice. But by the Spirit, it becomes a feast. 
it becomes a spiritual feast. It becomes a means by which the Lord strengthens us for the tasks of discipleship, the way he feeds our spirit. And he is the gracious host. And he's invited the likes of you and me. Can you believe that? The Lord of the universe serves us. We who are unworthy, he invites us to come to his table and he says to us, experience my love, know my grace. You eat and drink forgiveness here. Come and share this meal I have prepared. It is a meal for those who know that they're not perfectly righteous. It's for those who know they're not perfect, but we are to come as we are with our faith and our gratitude. So let us come and break bread together with the unseen host who longs to bless us, who extends such amazing hospitality to you and to me. Let us love one another as he has loved us. Amen. Please stand if you're able. Let us sing. <clears throat> 